Welcome to the Polytechnicast. Hey everyone, I'm Rob Stenzinger and I'm a user experience designer, a interactive storyteller and coach. I like to make games. I like to think about all the things that go into game design and of course, you know, human-centered, systemic-minded design. Uh, I think that's sort of my bigger summary is this thinking like a lot about the humans and what do we need in our context, our goals, intentions, and doing things without harming one another and all that to um, to collaborate well and credibly and this kind of thing. That's like a big pursuit of mine. Then it's sort of, I, I mix in tons of other interests and uh, creative pursuits like gaming and storytelling and all that. And well, what do you know? Uh, like, like all of you, all of us, um, I contain multitudes. And speaking of that, the sort of business endeavor that I mentioned I've been working on since last summer, which is to explore this combination of being of service through making some things and teaching and coaching. I started doing some writing in December and it's, it's continued. I've, I've got a couple articles out and I have this brief overview of the first article I wanted to share with you. I think some of you folks who subscribe to the Polytechnicast, maybe it would come in handy to just hear a few of the highlights. So, you know, maybe you're, uh, you've already read it and just, this is a good reminder, or if you haven't gotten around to it and this could be useful enough, you don't need to go read it, but, um, who knows, maybe this is too, too interesting and you want to dive into it. Oh, I, I wrote this article called being there when a team is starting their first design journey all under this brand banner of, of, uh, practicing UX and how I look at user experience is that it is a um, human-centered, systemic-minded design discipline where uh, you can encounter lots of things in places where some folks have started doing wireframes or have never made one, or maybe they've made a journey or have personas, but maybe they're not exactly systemic-minded also. Um, thinking about what happens before and then during and after when someone encounters a product. Cause a lot of times you can just get really wrapped up in, of course, the thing that that business is about, which is the app or the chair or the uh, automobile, whatever it is. And you start to see the world so much through that because that's what's measured as and, and valued successfully and whatnot. And so I think it's still common that places are getting, um, more fluency and awareness of, of being sort of um, adopters of tools that help with, you know, achieving their goals as a business, but also helping their audience in ways that create value that's hard to compete with because that is an investment. And it is in a way an optional investment where, we, in our time, we experience examples of businesses that, that excel at design. Um, and maybe, um, not for everyone and not in every circle, but then certainly at certain times and whatnot, like Apple, that's the big one, right? You think about the adoption of the iPod and, and the, the iPhone and there's a lot of, um, I mean, I think they are uh, to credit as far as uh, helping popularize in business circles 
the idea that if we bring in other concerns, if we don't just think about can we build this and will we make money from it, if we also think about um, are we are we making a difference in people's lives and and uh, what is that difference? Is it helping them? Is it hurting them? And all that. Um, you open up a whole bunch of possibilities for your business, even where you can serve in um, maybe deeper, more interesting, meaningful ways, maybe more profitable ways. That happens to be this this mutually benefiting path that works well for your business and your audience, where they recognize your um, the benefit you're providing. Uh, it's and, and are willing to pay for something beyond just sort of a transactional simplified definition of their problem and your solution for it. So that's kind of the spirit and the context of this article. And uh, you, you can be in a situation where you are someone who has been bestowed the responsibility through your own curiosity or, or um, you know, needs, motivation, interests to then include factors that can influence the project and improve how you collaborate in the definition of success by saying, yeah, we need to really research and connect with and collaborate with our audience and the teams that make it and stuff. So how do you, and, and of course the business where you know, you're, so you're weaving together the, um, you know, the needs and constraints and perspectives of all these things, but you know, because you see that there is a, perspective that that becomes a system that connects all of these factors where if you think of um outcomes that include helping the the audience and achieving the goals of the business and um considering the people that are making it you set yourself up for a lot of different kinds of new success where it's not just the new new value and being a, a better thing in the market, but it's also um, maybe more sustainability and less problems as far as turnover and, and, and ups and downs and, and what are the strengths of your team and all that kind of stuff. Thinking of them and including their, their strengths and expertise, it is a powerful choice to make as opposed to prescribing things and, and assuming which I have an article about assumptions that I'll talk about in a future Polytechnicast, speaking of assuming. Um, but the idea is that somehow the value of design got recognized, bumped into, the awareness happened, and it's, it's because, um, okay, you're, you're a business, you're making a thing, and then you get feedback. And maybe you get a lot of feedback, or maybe the performance of the sales, the, the thing you're measuring about success, it changes. And then you ask why. And, or maybe there's a media event where you're compared negatively to a competitor. But somehow you can get this association, the proximity of the pain and potential solution saying that, well, what if we um, start tr trying to solve this problem? How do you solve this problem? Well, now you start thinking about kinds of design. And I say UX, and I mean it in the general way, there are tons of specialties that are human centered, and inclusive of, um, you know, systemic mindedness, things like, of course, uh, you know, content design, uh, user experience strategy, uh, user research, uh, usability testing, and um, visual design, uh, 
on and on. And well, heck, even branding and marketing and all that stuff, depending on the approach of those teams, they all can be very inclusive of sort of the, you know, user-centered disciplines, which, which mean you are researching and mapping out and creating a context, the concept of the world that you're then verifying through further research and uh, using that to embody what you've learned into products that are in the market and solving people's needs and hopefully making their lives uh, uh, better in some way. And not in just in a naive or arrogant way because we say it is happening. It's, it's, if we're doing this right, we're seeing it and we're learning from what we're seeing. Anyway, so something causes the need, the awareness, and then the response where it's someone rises up within the organization to take on that role of, of the user experience design or it gets hired in, whatever. The value is recognized and it gets acted upon. And then you're starting out. Okay, this is when the real start. Well, this another. I guess there's many starts of when does the journey begin as far as an organization bringing in design, but the start of adding. Um, okay, someone wearing that hat, that role, has space within conversations and meetings and teams, and now they're affecting and and um, connecting with others and what exists already. And you're in a situation where it's important to learn from the past and include the current and where the client is at and, or where their organization is at, because it's certainly an option to be prescriptive and um, say, well, design is this way. And these are the things we do and whatnot. And I think in within um, some contexts like collaborative working sessions and design sprints and stuff like that, you can inject a lot of um, sort of design culture and formality in certain bursts, but showing up in someone else's meeting and attempting that, yeah, it's probably not going to work out so well. So this idea of you are there integrating the um, practices of user experience into what exists already. Okay. And so how do you do that in a way that, that you gather um, allies and collaborators that are working together and discovering together and learning and moving things forward, even if what you're learning is that you're wrong in d about different aspects and different assumptions or, or constraints about your product, and you're sort of reshaping the space and all that stuff. That's all right. Your allies are the ones that are there uh, they're with you and learning with you. So how can you, how can you make more of those as opposed to um, uh, folks who really just don't want this, the, this, um, this approach? They didn't really necessarily take part in the original identification and need uh, of the need and the response to then bring in UX design, right? So, you have a chance to learn. You can learn from them. So then you can use the sort of um, interviewing and like the anthropological perspective to say, well, what does exist? I want to understand like what, what is the resistance and all that stuff and find ways to gently explore and, and understand, even if it's the, the, your exploration is just through observation, seeing how things currently work and finding a way to sort of, 
then as you do this to demonstrate your desire is to serve and help and integrate a recognized need and that uh, the better this map is, the um, it's empowering for everybody. And so hopefully through that practice, you're, you're creating more allies and helping them benefit through what you're learning through interviewing them and the folks that, that they consider stakeholders and that, that sort of um, not just, you know, engaging in some kind of debate saying, well, you know, UX is a big, you know, waste of money and all that stuff. That's fine too. It's, it's important to have those conversations. I don't know. I just kind of pulled that out of, out of thin air. Um, I suppose that's a tangent, but worth addressing that a lot of folks haven't seen this idea of design as being a profit uh, enabler. It's, it is, and there's, there's evidence and well, you're an ambassador for this. Well, if you're wearing that hat about UX, then understanding how it relates and benefits to various constituencies, of course, people and with, uh, with financial responsibilities, um, oftentimes in the bucket that is labeled business, then there's, uh, the engineering and the builder side. And that's, that's sort of a, um, like the, what's, what can be made the feasibility bucket and or you know, the business and one another term for that would be viability. So you got viability and feasibility, but then also there's desirability and that's what you're doing as, as UX, you're, you're bringing, all sorts of perspectives together, bringing them and, and hopefully creating an inclusive, understandable picture that others are enabled by. And they see that, well, as an engineer, uh, it's worth doing this thing because it brings such benefit to the users, which helps bring, um, you know, more profit, what have you, which helps fund the engineering and all that stuff. And that's a whole separate tangent. I just sort of, jumped off on that to, to explain, um, I guess it's an example of where you, you may become an ambassador by discovering things that are in conflict and disagreement. And that's fine. You're, that's still part of discovering. And it's not just about sort of, uh, uh, arguing against in a, in a way that, that is, dismissive of a perspective. It's saying that, well, that perspective exists and here's where that leads to questioning that helps lead to understanding, which then leads back to the common ground, which honestly will probably improve your understanding as well. When you do, when you go off on those excursions to, um, to, to discover based on a, um, based on contention. Okay. So then, okay. This article then builds, builds up to this idea that, well, every organization that is design fluent starts somewhere, right? In it, and maybe it was, they were founded with designers. They were co-founded as, um, you know, design informed or design led institutions, organizations, what have you. Fantastic. That's not the norm. That's not the common in my experience yet. So you're, this is the thing. It's an opportunity. It's, it's, you get to use your anthropological skills, your storytelling, your leadership, your collaboration, and, uh, inclusive inquiry and discovery and all that, where you're helping by 
modeling and collaborating with to to do the research and share what you learned from it and all that on the organize, organization itself which helps like ex, with with you know people experience and are immersed in the 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 learning machine that UX can be and so how awesome is that where you get to kick off that thing and that, I guess that's my point where it's this in a way it's it's um is it a subtweet of an article maybe saying that uh, in organizations that aren't design fluent uh, exists great opportunity because I'm just that confident. And uh, because of my, my history with, uh, with advocating and testing and exploring and, 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 and wearing enough hats in, in the realm of human centered systemic minded design I I don't know anywhere that this isn't useful. So I it's fantastic. Um if there's any any I don't know if there's any concern I have about it. I think it's essentially all disciplines are becoming more human centered even. And that's a whole separate article too. And it's not that's not at the same rate in the same way and it looks different for each culture, but I think it's happening because we're all getting greater fluency for making stuff and the creative process and saying that, well, if I do this in a way that helps me prototype and learn or investigate and what have you, and I'm more informed, I make better choices as an organization and with my teams and stuff, and which leads to better products, which leads to um, happier customers. So there you go. Spreading fluency is part of UX design and I like to celebrate that and encourage it. That's the point of this article. And I went in lots of different places. So what's funny is I intended this to be a lot shorter. You can read the article faster than I <laughs> shared this verbal summary because it's not a summary. I expanded and went in different directions, but that's what I do. This is the Polytechnicast and I am Rob Stenzinger and I like to reflect on things. It's fun to uh, look back and learn and uh, get some insights through the, you know, trying to form these things coherently for others to uh, share in that reflective journey. So I appreciate you do, doing that. I mean, I, you did just that. Thanks for downloading this. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or thoughts on this, you can reach me on the social networks where I am Rob Stenzinger or via wonderful, great, unmediated email <laughs> uh, through algorithms, right? Well, I guess less mediated through algorithms. You can reach me, Rob, at shieldstenzinger.com. Thank you again very much for listening. 